Time for rolling. Hey everyone, Endless55 here, and welcome to episode 7 of A Time for Rolling Esports. Uh, on this episode, Crude and I really break down week 3 of Vainglory 8. This is our second to last weekend before the, the Challenger battles happen, so all these points matter. Um, we saw kind of a shakeup on the NA side, and some different teams get into the finals. A lot of good matchups on both NA and EU. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow us at TFR underscore esports. Uh, we kind of tweet out some things during the matches and you know just keep up on all the stuff that's happening between teams and players over there on Twitter. Uh, you can also follow the other Time for Rolling Productions uh, podcast with Arvin and Bleeko. Uh, you can follow them over at A Time for Rolling. Uh, they really just focus on interviews with community members and other interesting people that help make Bangalore the greatest game out there. So thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy this episode seven. The right targets. That is one trade. T Tigers is still pretty healthy. Tries to jump in. He finds one. This is a big turnaround for Liberation X. They might get the third. They might find an ace here. On to Lost Boy Top. Surrey Strike is not oh. enough. Totally goes down. He might go for Donna Twins. He's got to get one. He's got to get two. Lost Boy oh. Top. Hey guys, welcome back to our week three recap of Vanglory 8. Uh, I'm Endless, and I'm joined here with Crude Sloth. What's going on, guys? How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Can't complain. Of course you are. Uh, <laughs> all right, so let's break down uh, the points going into this Vanglory 8 weekend, and then we will move on to Europe, and then we'll talk about NA. So for Europe, we got Cyclone at the top with 12. G2 Esports with 9, SK Gaming with 7, Team Secret with 7, Fnatic with 6, Denial Esports with 3, Rising Lotus with 1, and Mouse Sports with 0. Do you want to give us NA? Uh, yeah, the recap for NA going into week 3 is going to be TSM 16, Gangstars 13, Cloud9 is 5, Hammers has 5, Immortals has 4, Rogue has 2, Misfits and Echo Fox both have 0. All right, so it was pretty good day one for both scenes, really. I know EU had a really exciting start with Fnatic versus G2. Um, that was the championship during week two of the Bangalore 8. So we saw Fnatic, they came out looking really strong, and they won that game one. But I think G2 just adapted and had much better drafts, and they took the next two games, and right off the bat we had a three-game series. Yeah, I was disappointed. I wanted to see Fnatic. I was excited, you know, the first game. They won that first game, but I wanted to see them take the series. I don't know why. I've always been cheering for these Fnatic guys, but uh, disappointing loss. G2 came out in the game two and game three, and just, man, they showed their true colors there. They were top-notch. Yeah, I mean, G2's kind of surprised us. We had Fnatic, TS, and SK, and those are like, oh, wow, those are three powerhouses. But, you know, G2's actually, I mean, and Cyclone, I guess, those two teams have been, like, the two teams I least expected to be at the top. Yeah, I agree. Yep. All right, so for that game two, we had the Mouse Esports versus Rising Lotus. You know, both these teams are really in need of points. Rising has one, and G or Mouse has zero. So uh, Rising actually looked really strong in that game one, and they uh, took that from Mouse Sports. So Mouse Sports is still at the bottom. They still have a lot of work to do and a lot of, like, 
kind of figuring out when it comes to their synergy and how they're playing together. I know they have like a lot of subs that are really talented, so I don't know if we'll see a roster change coming out of them soon or what. I think that might be a good idea. I just I don't know what's going on with them. They're not equal to their competition. I just maybe they don't have the the scrims or the practice time or something. I don't know. Yeah, you know we don't really know what's going behind the scenes. We don't know if all those players are getting to play enough Angler together. I know that's a big issue. Is just uh, teams not getting that uh, play time that they really need to be good like some of these other top teams. Yeah. So for game three, we had was it Cyclone and who, who was? I can't remember the other one. Denial. We had denial. Oh, denial. Okay. Yeah, Cyclone versus Denial. And Cyclone won. I just could remember that Cyclone won. I remember the important stuff. (laughs) He just remembered the winner, (laughs) and it doesn't matter who they beat. (laughs) Yeah, so so Cyclone won that game. Uh, Did Denial even get a – did they even win one game? Nah, Cyclone took a 2-0. Okay, 2-0. Okay, yeah. Yeah, then we had uh, another good game to end out the day one for EU. It was Team Secret versus SK. We were kind of looking out to see if uh, Tricky and Just Man were still going to be with Leon or if there was going to be a change. But, I mean, I kind of like the play coming out of Mowgli, leaving Tricky in there. Uh, there's kind of been a little bit of drama that you kind of pointed out to me about this. Yeah, I mean, Humanist kind of was talking at the desk about um, kind of questioning some of Tricky's plays. And he made a comment about his, his sister actually being, maybe being a better player, being able to make some of the better plays. And... Uh, Tricky actually heard this and tweeted at Humanist and did not appreciate it very much, thought it was unprofessional, and Humanist was just, hey, I, I'm calling it how I see it. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. It was it was interesting. There was a little bit of exchange on Twitter there, but I, I kind of agree with Humanist. Um, I, I know Tricky's new to the scene, and he, he had mentioned his tw- in the tweets, he was like, hey, you know, I'm new to the scene. Um, I'm getting my – I'm getting used to all this, so give me time. I will be better. But, yeah. I mean, when, it, when you're in this, it's like you don't have time. You get your one day to play Saturday. If you don't show up, you're not playing Sunday. So, Yeah, I mean, I kind of feel bad for Tricky because he is new to this whole like, competitive thing. I think he does – he had tweeted out that his biggest issue is self-confidence, and I think he may, you know, play timid. And he, like – you know, if he can kind of get that mindset like, oh, I'm just playing – on stream with like and we're just playing for fun like if he's not having fun while playing i get that it's competitive and it's more serious but i mean yeah i think humanist may have his comment may have been a little more harsh but i mean good for humanist for you know humanist talked to tricky about it and they you know were adults and just like you know he's looking forward to see tricky become better i think we all want every player to be good there's really no harm i don't think uh humanist is trying to be uh, mean about it so but I think Tricky knows what he needs to work on. I think Mowgli has faith in Tricky, and I think he's like, yeah, Tricky needs to get used to this, needs to get used to competing. You know, everything changes when you're on stage. So Team Secret gets to the finals and or gets to the live when they start playing on stage in front of people. That's even different. So uh, there's a lot to learn there, and I'm, it's a good thing they have Mowgli as a veteran who can kind of help them learn what it's like. Yeah, I think Mowgli will definitely be able to coach him up and and uh, get him more acquainted to the scene and tell him what he needs to look out for, what he needs to do, and what he needs to not do. So, Yeah, definitely focus on Tricky's playing. Tricky, focus on Tricky and not really worry about if people are going to say he sucks or not, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Leon doesn't need any coaching. He's, he, he knows what he's doing. That curl play in that second game was ridiculous. But Yeah, I mean, he... I don't know. There, there's sometimes there's some questionable things coming out of Leon where he thinks he's good enough to just do whatever he wants, but I think... 
here in the last couple of weeks, TS has kind of been putting in their place and like, look, you guys still have a lot of work to do. You're not going to be this dominating force. We got G2, Cyclone, Fnatic, SK. There's so many teams in EU right now that are looking really strong. Yep. All right, so let's go ahead and switch over to NA and kind of break down these matches a little further and talk about all the crazy stuff that happened. Yeah, so for, for our first game, we actually had Hammers versus uh, Immortals. Uh, did you want to go for the draft? Or? Yeah, so for that first game with uh, Hammers and Immortals, I know we saw uh, Immortals was on side A and Hammers on side B. Uh, we kind of saw weird uh, bands coming out. With uh, The first band for Immortals was... Um, Lance and the second first first band for Hammers Esports was Kashka. So uh, Kashka's been banned out a lot more here recently. She's definitely very aggressive, and a lot of people like uh, T Tigers and um, Aloha, like they're any of the junglers are really trying to get this Kashka. Uh, for the pick one from Immortal side was they got that Adagi right away, and uh, Hammers went and picked up Ringo. So they kind of try to focus on getting starting all over on that Ringo for them. Um, Immortals for band number two they go ahead and ban away that Fortress we've seen Fortress is a pretty strong pick right now and then Hammers go away and ban away that box so Hammers that was a pretty strong move on their side they banned away the box and banned away the I mean I don't know if they needed to ban away the box just because they picked up that Adagio which kind of means there's enough roam picks out there for that Adagio to fall into the lane um, so Immortals for the second rent last two picks. They pick up this Flicker, which we've been seeing a lot now. Flicker's definitely making its way to the top of the, the captain rules. And then we saw a Glaive. And then for Hammer Esports, we saw that Lyra come out, and then we saw Petal. So Petal, I was kind of interested to see how T-Tigers would do on this Petal. And uh, I wasn't as strong as I was hoping. I think T-Tigers didn't win the game for him, and I think starting all over his Ringo play was just pretty ridiculous. Yeah, I was actually, real quick on that draft part, I was really surprised that Lyra was picked up under that, that first, um, well, after the the second ban. I was kind of surprised, like, it didn't get banned out or picked up even earlier after that Adagio pickup came through. Yeah. But, like, Hammers picked up Ringo. I didn't expect to see a Lyra. Yeah, I mean, Lyra, I don't think that that may be, like, the farthest spot she's ever been picked. She's normally yeah, either in I'm, that. Yeah, that first uh, ban or in that first round pick. So, I mean, we definitely see things changing and, you know, new heroes are starting to become strong enough through like, yeah, we can let Lyra go through and not necessarily worry about having to ban out that Lyra. Yeah. So, I mean, kind of what you were talking about though, was starting all over on Ringo. That dude is ridiculous. Um, he, oh man, he, he was so good. Game one, he was even better game two, but we'll get there. But um, T Tigers actually, I think T Tigers went seven and one on that pedal. And he pretty much took care of the jungle by himself and with no issues. Yeah, he just kind of made starting all over, just kind of be relaxed and kind of know that he can make whatever plays he want, having that support from that pedal, having that much burst damage coming out of T-Tigers. Um, but, yeah, I was kind of surprised at Hammers. Uh, I was hoping Immortals, this was kind of my pick in our midweek episode, I thought Immortals was back and that they would have they would take this game from Hammers. But Hammers is looking better than they did the last, last week, and last week they looked good, so... Uh, I think it was just a it was a strong first matchup coming right out of the start. Yeah. Um, also, real quick, I think it's worth noting that uh, Chicken One Two Three was back and it wasn't Max Green playing. So yes, yes he is. I mean, I don't. I think even with last week with Max Green being there, I mean they still look pretty strong. And I think maybe with Chicken they have like better synergy with Chicken. So uh, it wasn't a big difference, but it definitely probably makes a difference to them. Yep. So for game two. 
uh, let's break down the draft here. Um, Hammers were, was on A side and Immortals B side. Um, so for the first bands, Hammers bans out Lyra, and then Immortals comes back and bans out Akashka. Uh, so that leaves Adagio open for Hammers to pick up Adagio. So the, both the healers are picked up there, or either banned or picked up there. Uh, Immortals comes back and picks up a Fortress pick. And then for the next bands, Hammers banned out Arden, and Immortals banned out Flicker, which I thought that was kind of interesting. They weren't wanting to mess with the, the Flicker after they had just picked it up previously. They, I guess they were worried maybe Hammers would pick it up. But I think the main reason is because if they ban away that Flicker, they're trying to force Adagio into that Rome role and not let Adagio go up into the lane. Yeah, that's a good point. But when you have a Glaive that is such a flux pick as well on a Captain or Jungle, it's pretty hard to do that with so many heroes right now playing flex roles yeah i mean because then you see it hammers the next their next two pickups then were ringo and then it was glaive so they picked that up and uh finished up the draft though mortals picked up vox and taka yeah i think the taka was a smarter pick for mortals because ham uh starting all over was doing such a great job with positioning they were trying to um avoid starting being able to sit back and just put out damage without being touched. So that taco is definitely paired up with the Fortress, have that super aggressive jump on starting all over. But, I mean, you still got that peel from Glaive, and you got that ultimate from Adagio that can kind of zone out people off of starting all over. Yeah. Um, I mean, is there anything else to talk about other than just how good starting all over was this game? He was 8-1, and one, and he, did, he was never out of position. He was the damage he would put out was ridiculous. They The game was over endless before 12-minute mark. Yeah, that's that's pretty big snowball right there. Like, you... What? <laughs> I, think, I, don't, I don't even know how to talk about that. Like, how do you end the game so quickly? I mean, Immortals just couldn't get their builds going or anything. They they felt like... It seemed like they were just sitting in their base most, most of the game trying to trying to find a way to get out of the base to get some farm. I think when we saw Rogue play... Hammers Esports last week, um, they actually banned Ringo both times, their first ban. So I think Rogue recognizes how strong starting is on this um, Ringo, and I think Immortals either just let it go, and they're like, oh, he's not that good, which I think they got proved wrong, and they uh, try to focus on banning away T-Tiger, like Kashka, or trying to focus on banning out T-Tigers, which I think banning out something for starting all over is probably a smarter move than banning out something on T-Tigers. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Starting all over is great on that Ringo, but it also helped out that, you know, he had the Adagio and the Glaive. The Glaive could kind of position whoever target they wanted to target into a better spot for starting all over, and then you get that buff from that Adagio, and it's just massive amounts of damage coming out. So, Yeah, it's definitely hard to get, deal with pretty much no matter what comp you have. Yeah. So, yeah, Immortals or Hammers took two games from Immortals, and uh, we see them moving on to day two semifinals. Uh, so our next matchup, we got Misfits versus Cloud9. I know this was your pick, Misfits, to beat Cloud9. You thought it was going to be their week, and you thought King was definitely going to, it was his time to shine and perform. You just had to remind me of that, didn't you? I, I was hoping we could, I was hoping we could, didn't have to talk about this, but, I mean, you brought it up first thing right out of the gate, so thanks for that. I appreciate that. No problem. I just want to make sure you're <laughs> reminded that uh, you picked it wrong, and, did you pick uh, Immortals in that first game or Hammers? Uh, I picked Hammers in that first okay, game. Okay, so I was wrong there. So that kind of backfired on me. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you were wrong there. And um, as we'll talk here with C9 Misfits, I was terribly wrong. Yeah, you were, one, you were but... definitely wrong. 
<laughs> oh, well. But, uh, yeah, we see Misfits, uh, another, you know, starting to get different bands coming on right off the bat. Misfits goes ahead and bans away this Fox, and uh, Cloud9 goes and bans away this Kashka. So I think banning away Kashka on side B has been a big trend. And kind of ever since we see Zeno and Von C just, you know, wreck havoc with these Kashkas in the jungle, they're super strong right now. Uh, we, we get to see uh, Misfits ping up that Adagia right away, and then that Lyra is picked up on Cloud9, so we get those two healers in the game. Uh, we see second band round. Misfits brands with that crawl, which I was kind of interested seeing that. Uh, I guess I love Joseph. I mean, I know he's good on everything he plays, but um, specifically taking away that crawl from him. Then Cloud9 goes ahead and bans away that glaive, so uh, take away another possible flex captain role and try to force Adagio into that round position. Uh, we see Misfits next to pick. They pick up a Jewel and a Taco, which I was kind of surprised with. Uh, I know Me too. Jewel's strong, and I know that box is away, but Ringo was not picked up yet, so I kind of would have liked to see King pick up that Ringo before Cloud Nine before they just let Cloud Nine pick up Ringo. But then we see uh, Ring, yeah, Cloud Nine picked up by Ringo, and then that pedal being picked up. So I love Joseph on pedal. Not something we normally see coming out of him. We definitely see him playing other heroes, but I mean, you see Glade gone, Cruel gone, and Taka gone. So yeah, I mean, I I would have liked maybe seeing. Uh, I love Joseph on like a Samuel. I don't know if I've ever seen him play that too much, but I know we've got another pedal coming through. Well, here's what I think is interesting. I thought it was interesting with that Taka pickup, um, whether it was Misfits not wanting uh, I love Joseph to get that hero or if they actually thought that they could use that hero and do damage with him. But I think it's funny because I love Joseph is one of, or it, that Taka is I love Joseph's like one of his best known heroes. Yeah. So if, if you know that hero, you're going to know his counters and right. how to, you know, I mean, Pedal can just get his Munions onto that um, Taka and just do serious damage. So I thought it was kind of, I thought it was smart by I love Joseph actually to pick up that Pedal. Yeah, it's kind of hard for Taka to box, you know, go and viz and get away because yeah. those Munions are constantly chomping at you. It can be hard to use your normal get in and get out. So it was, I think that Pedal pick was a strict uh, counter to that Taka. Yep. So, yeah, I think Cloud9 won the draft, and, you know, from the start, I think Cloud9 had the better draft. Yeah, I think just their early game, too, uh, with Cloud9, they, they were so good with the rotations and stuff. I mean, it was earlier on in the game. I love Joseph. He was turret diving two turrets for a kill like it was no big deal. I mean, he he fearless. He's just going in and getting the kills and then coming right back out and, you know, maybe taking half his health, but that's it. Yeah, I mean, we see that constantly with these professional the professional teams. They just are so good at aggro, like turret aggro, and balancing that. And one player will take two shots, then they'll kind of get out of the, the turret uh, aggro. And then the next player will take the turret. So it's just, like, amazing how many turrets they can dive and perfectly balance the aggro. Yeah, I mean, they had a, their choke turret was even gone at 10 minutes. So it was just, like, their early game just steamrolled so hard. And kind of like with the Hammers Immortals, that game too, is it, it forced uh, Misfits to just kind of like sit in the base and go, okay, now what? We can't even get out of our base. Yeah, I mean, you just saw Jewel kind of jumping in to get on top of that Pedal and Ringo. But as soon as you jump in, you're kind of just in more range for Pedal's Munions just to explode on you. And that, that ultimate, it kind of just makes it hard for Jewel to like be undecisive. Like, do I go in or do I sit back and Thunderstrike and just kind of poke down yeah. so i mean it was kind of just a hard matchup for misfits and all in all yeah i mean c9 won that sub 15 minutes so that kind of explains that game <laughs> yeah so for second game you know misfits definitely looking to have a stronger draft which 
I think they did. I don't think they won the draft. Uh, we saw Cloud9 banning away on side A this time. Kashka right away is gone. And the Misfits go ahead and ban out that Adagio, which kind of forces Cloud9 to pick up Lyra first. And the Misfits decide to pick up their captain and get that uh, Lance, which I think that was smart to get a Lance, have that more CC, and be able to kind of keep uh, King more protected in that lane. Uh, for second round picks and bans, we see uh, Crawl being banned away from Cloud9. And then we see Misfits banning away that box. So we see this... Cloud9's draft was definitely strange. And when they started playing, I was kind of surprised with who was playing where. But Cloud9 yeah. goes and picks up Glaive and Fortress. And the Misfits pick up Ringo and Alpha. Which I was glad to see Alpha come out. I think Alpha's very strong. And we get to see that Ringo on King. Um, but yeah, so game starts. And we see three captains, basically. You know, Lyra's captain. Glaive has been played captain a lot. And Fortress has played captain. But we know all three of them can also play somewhere else. So we got to see uh, Old School with Glaive in the lane. Fortress was the jungle by I Love Joseph, and then Lyra with uh, Gabe Vizzle was the captain. Yeah, that is not what I was expecting at all. Like, I thought they were going to do uh, Crystal, Lyra, and then maybe, I don't, I don't know, do a double CP with Fortress and then have Glaive as Rome. Or, I mean, there's so many possibilities with that, with that comp. So I was kind of surprised to see that, that Lyra was... Uh, the captain again but it worked out for him <laughs> yeah i mean when you are laning against a glaive you are constantly in fear especially against a fortress that can uh you know jump on you and get that movement speed but you have to be glaive's already on top of the minions attacking though because you know he's a melee hero but that afterburn can literally come out at any time on top of you and with that being a weapon glaive and not this utility cooldown there's much more burst damage coming out of that cleaver on his b it just does a lot of damage you constantly have to have perfect positioning as that ringo and i think king definitely struggled getting harassed a lot in the lane yeah, even with that Lance to, like, knock him back and stuff and try to help keep that protection for him, he was struggling with it. So it, it was a rough game for uh, Misfits again. I mean, I watched uh, C9, they juggling the Tier 1 turret. that They were, uh, when they took that down, that was crazy. They were, like, I think it was Fortress was, like, really low. So he, you know, he hops out. And then uh, I think uh, Gabe Vizzle just started tanking it up. And they were just all, like, switching and just doing this damage onto this turret. And, like, it was nothing. Like, they knew exactly what point to come in, what point to come out. It was it was crazy. Yeah, I think Alpha doesn't really offer much peel for the team. So I think there was a lot relied on um, Eco trying to protect Ringo. So really it was just, like, Glaive would have to burn in. And even if Glaive got knocked away, Githian walled by Eco, I mean, Fortress would just pounce in. So it was, like too much to deal with for misfits and they just couldn't keep you know king really safe against that comp yeah all right so cloud nine takes those games 2-0 pretty handily against misfits we see misfits still at the bottom uh i think king you know he admits that they're not performing but you can't expect he like he tweeted that you know you can't expect to go out there and just destroy a top three team so uh, he's like, you get better and you learn and you move on to next week. So I think it's still a great attitude coming out of Misfits, and they they know they got some work to put in. Yeah, they got to start doing some serious work because they do not have very many points, and they will find themselves in the Challenger series, and that's not where they want to be. So yeah, I think next week is our last week for split one. So I think they'll definitely be at the bottom three. Yep. All right. So for our game three, we get to see Rogue versus Gang Stars, which was kind of a matchup from week one. Uh, I was kind of excited to see Rogue. They were kind of my pick to uh, maybe make an upset and make a run. Uh, Gangstars looked stronger than ever. Iraqi was looking them really good in that lane position, and 
I mean, Zeno, I mean, he played well, especially in game two. But uh, game one, he really didn't do much, and it was really just the Iraqi show. So breaking down the drafts for game one, we see Rogue right away banning out uh, that box. And then we see Gangstar's ban out of Finn right away, which I was kind of surprised. Uh, that was very interesting. Finn hasn't been really picked, let alone banned, during the first round of bans. So, you know, we get both healers coming out right away. We get Lyra on Rogue and then Adagio on the Gangstar side. Uh, we see second round bans. We see Flicker taken out by Rogue. And then we see that crawl again. So we know last three games we got a crawl ban, and I think uh, crawl's just as strong as if it's, he gets the right comp. So then for the last two picks from both sides, Rogue gets a Gwyn and a Samuel, which I like both these picks. I think Gwyn is still good, just not played as much. So when uh, people play her, people forget the amount of damage she can do with that buckshot followed up by, uh, you know, just her auto attack. She can attack almost as fast as Ringo can. And then uh, Sibs on that Samuel, I think he played extremely well and I thought it was a great comp for Rogue they just couldn't perform as well as they wished against that Iraqi on that Ringo yeah I mean they locked in that Gwen and Samuel back to back really quick and I think that they just knew when they when that Kashka came out that Zeno was going to be in that Kashka and they were, I mean obviously Kashka has a lot of uh, gap closing ability but I think they were just their main goal is going to try to be kite away from them and stay out of the way of the Ringo there but uh, how, how did the you pick in Rogue how'd that work out for you uh, I, I picked Gangstars to win. I just picked Road to maybe be the team to uh, upset and make a run. So I was still right. I just, Road didn't perform as well as I thought. I was hoping they'd take a game from Gangstars and get more points. But, uh, yeah, we saw Zeno being aggressive super early in that game. Wasn't always working out. I think Sibs did a great job of just kiting away and using that uh, foul and verdict and drifting dark and just kite away from uh, Xenon on that aggressive Kashka. But Iraqi, his build ended up being Sorrow Blade, Tornado Trigger, and two Tyrants. So the amount of damage that came out of him, plus that buff coming off of Wrecked, it kind of was ridiculous, and Rogue found out pretty early on there was nothing they could do against it. Yeah, I think that was their goal. Is like, I mean, you know, you get that buff from Adagio onto Iraqi, and uh, Zeno's build, I think he had a Shatter Glass, I don't remember what else he, he had. had Shatterglass, Aftershock, and then three defensive items. So he definitely okay. was like, hey, attack me and let Iraqi melt you. <laughs> yeah, and they were just trying to burst him down. That's why, I mean, you didn't see Iraqi pick up a breaking point, so they weren't trying to let these fights last for a long time. They were just trying to eliminate, because um, Gwen and Samuel are both kind of squishy. Uh, they're, they're squishy, so, I mean, they, they eliminate one of them, and you got a 3v2 the rest of the fight then, and those, that just yeah. heightens your advantage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so we saw that first game, you know, Gangstars handling themselves pretty well. Uh, for that second round draft, I was kind of hoping Rogue would have a better draft, and uh, that's not what happened at all. Rogue <laughs> pulled out something crazy. Um, I just not quite sure. So let's break down the draft real quick. Gangstars, you know, right away they ban away that Kashka, so they don't even want Rogue to have a chance to ban it or pick it, so they just ban it away themselves. <laughs> And then uh, Rogue goes and bans away that Glaive. So once again, we see both healers go through. We see Adagio and Lyra make it through, and they get picked up. Adagio by Gangstars and uh, Lyra by Rogue. For second round drafts, we see a Kestrel coming out of Gangstars, and then we see a Flicker coming out of Rogue. So once again, you know they're trying to force that Adagio into the laning position, but nope, Gangstars had a better idea. They go ahead and picked up that. Uh, Lance for Wrecked. Uh, I know his Githian Walls and Impales have been pretty insane lately. He's just been playing probably the best Lance out there right now. And then we see, uh, you know, Xeno get back on that Black Feather, which he's been playing quite often as well. 
For the last two picks of Rogue, this is when things get interesting. They pick up a Jewel, which I'm fine with, and then they pick up a Saw, which makes me think, oh, sweet, Hammy's on Saw. Like, I've seen Hammy play Saw millions of times, and he's pretty good at it. And then they start playing, and Hammy is on Jewel in the lane, and then we have Sibs on a CP Saw in the jungle. Yeah, I mean, I, when I saw that that Black Feather was picked up, I knew that Zeno was going to be on that, and I was like, GG, this is game over. Zeno has been top-notch with his Black Feather play. And then I saw that Saw come out, and I'm like, wait a minute, what is this? Like, what's <laughs> going on here? And, I mean, yeah, Sibs, Sibs being on the Saw in the jungle, I, I agree with you. I think it would have been better that Hammy would have had it up in the lane, but that's not what they went with. So Yeah, I mean, the problems with Sibs' Saw is that he is – He's good with Saul. It's not that it's a bad... He's bad with him. But I think once he put down his suppressing fire, all Zeno, once they got to level 6, all Zeno would do was Rose offensive past him and be behind him Why Sibs is just shooting no one with a suppressive fire. It puts him extremely vulnerable. He just sits there, and Iraqi or Zeno would just, you know, auto-attack twice and execute with his B and or his A, and it was pretty much over for Sibs. He didn't last very long in most of the team fights. Yeah, I mean, gangstars could just bully him. I mean, Ragt he had some amazing Githian walls and it impales to keep to. I mean, just eliminate that saw right out of the out of the fight. I mean, you all just dive onto him and he's gone, and it's just two v three before you know it, and then there's not much that you, that road could do. So, I thought they did a really great job with their early game. Yeah, I think the theme kind of throughout the whole day one was just some teams are picking out different comps, uh, which were kind of interesting to see. Um, just people try new things. We get some interesting comps in the next game coming up as well, which we'll talk about. But, you know, Odds had tweeted out. Odds, you know, the new coach for Cyclone, he tweeted, uh, really don't like seeing high-risk, high-reward comps in Vainglory. Uh, in my opinion, easily executable comps are definitely stronger in the current stage, which I think that's just what kind of confuses me is when a team is facing uh, the number one seed or number two seed, like TSM or Gangstars, I get you want to try to surprise them, but can you really surprise a team that practices and plays Vanguard eight uh, hours a day? You know, they're ready for anything. So trying to take away the more powerful picks that Gangstars can't pick up and you get some powerful picks on your side as well, I think you have a better chance instead of trying to pick out something that's maybe fun and playing a Crystal Saw in the jungle that doesn't work out when you have Zeno on Blackfeather who can just easily take you out. Yeah, I mean, chances are, if you're trying to surprise TSM, like you were saying, they've probably played that comp, and they probably know the counter to it. So not only are you not getting your comfort pick, they're they're getting what they want, plus you're not on your comfort pick, and they know how to you know, counter that. Exactly. So it's, just, it's, it's like setting themselves up for disaster. Yeah, I mean, gangsters go ahead and take that game 2-0. Um, Rogue, they all tweeted, you know, that was a great matchup. So, you know, they got some work to do, so... I think my favorite thing so far coming out these first three weeks, I'm sure there's frustrations on these teams, but uh, overall pretty positive, and teams just know they got work to do, and I think they just know that Gangstars and TSM have been the top team, and they're just playing so well right now, which you know leads us right into our last matchup with TSM versus Echo Fox. Uh, we were looking at Echo Fox maybe trying to make big plays and have good games against TSM, but uh, we just didn't really see that out of them. Yeah, so let's dive into game one for the draft. Um, Echo Fox was on A side and TSM was on B side. Um, Echo Fox, right away, they get rid of the Adagio, which leaves TSM to get rid of that Lyra. Uh, For their first pickup, Echo Fox picks up Lance and Team Silomid picks up that Vox. And then Echo Fox gets rid of Glaive, thinking that, you know, Flash X on that 
uh, Captain Glaive would be rough to deal with, which I agree. I agree with that thought process. Um, and then TSM gets rid of that Ringo, so that um, Echo Fox has to pick up. You know, they got to figure out what they're going to do as far as weapon laner if they're going to do that. But diving down to the last two were very interesting for Echo Fox and Team Solo Mid. Echo Fox goes with a Gwen and a Scarf. Endless, they picked up a Scarf. Yes, uh, so I'm a god. I called this, and I said someone needs to play <laughs> Scarf, and that's what we got. And it was a Jungle Scarf. I even joked about it being a Jungle Scarf, and it ended up being uh, Lone Delphi, which is probably the best person you can put on that Scarf. Mishy actually plays a lot of good Scarf. He used to play a lot of good Scarf back when he was on like TSM and when Scarf was stronger. But seeing that come out of the jungle, uh, I was like super interested to see how it was going to work. We see Team Solo Mid pick up that Kashka, which I was scared for them because it's Vonsi on Akashka, <laughs> and that's just, yeah, terrifying to see. But then we see Flash X pick up that Flicker, and I know that's something you are just, like, dying laughing, seeing Flash be like, oh, I played Captain Glade the last two weeks. Let me just switch to a new Captain Hero and show you how good they are. <laughs> Which, I mean, yeah, Flash X has talked about Flicker is, and he knows how good he is. But, I mean, that composition from Team Solo Mid is scary. When Flicker can be ganking... And you know the, what type of damage Von C can do on that Kashka early game. It's just like, okay, I, I don't even want to check any bush or, you know, yeah, I'm exactly. for my life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you slow someone down even more, like, then have a Kashka on top of them with that movement speed, yeah, you just can't get away. But, I mean, I, we've, there's just been so much flack coming out against Echo Fox and a lot of people just doubting them and saying that, you know, the, the veterans, like Cole and Meek and Michi, like, they've been around forever. Like, we kind of saw Cole be the best Vanguard player out there, and then he just reached this plateau, and he didn't become any better. He kind of fell off while these new young talent kind of became stronger and, you know, rose to the top. But we see a lot of uh, people just say that Lone Delphi, he's looking like the veteran. He's the one that's exciting to watch on this team and make the plays, and Michi doesn't really do anything for the team. He just is kind of there. I mean, he's good. He's a great laner. But he's not having any exciting plays. He's kind of stuck on people he's not good with. So maybe getting, you know, Mishy in a position where he can call the shots and get him on a comfortable hero is what should be important for Echo Fox. Yeah, I mean, we just, we've seen Mishy and what he can do back in the day. With, I mean, he was with, when he was with Flash X and stuff, and he was just so much better. Not saying that he's still not good now, but it's just like he's not making those same plays. And obviously when you have, I mean, uh, metas change, you know, over time and stuff, and be, people become stronger and weaker and it's a lot to have to learn but i agree i don't think that mishy was doing very much damage or very much of a factor in any of the fights yeah i mean i don't think it was a crazy flop drop or draft for echo fox i think scarf kind of did work he was able to poke out flash and kind of you know spot out where flash was you know it's really hard to counter build into a a or a flicker like if you build a contraption against her then flash is just going to build her his own contraption and just delete all of your things anyway. So did you, did you see that vision on the map in that first game by Flash X? Yeah, he had about fifty or so mines in the Kraken pit. Oh, <laughs> it was just like it was just like red dots all over. It looked like the map had chicken pox. It was everywhere. And that can be the frustrating thing coming out of Cole. You know, he spends that money on mines and flares to try to keep you know tabs on Flash, but it's it's just an impossible game to win. Yeah, it was. Oh my gosh, it was crazy. Yeah, so Team Solo Mid looks really strong that first game. They take that game from Echo Fox. So I was kind of excited to see how the second draft went and uh, just 
you know, if they perform better. I think Team Solomon had a, actually a pretty sloppy game, in my opinion. You know, the final kills was 11-7, to 7 and, uh, yeah. I mean, they won easily when it comes to objectives and control of the map, but when it came to kills, uh, Von C, you know, he went 3-3. Three and three. He wasn't looking crazy strong himself, and Best Chuck, you know, 6-1. and one. So, you know, Best Chuck did just fine. I just think maybe Von C got caught out a little too early, and at one point there was a great team fight coming out of of Echo Fox, you know, Cole had an impale and then a Githian wall to stun him into a wall while Lone Duffy put out his goop and his, you know, uh, his fireball just to light him on fire and it kind of burned him down really fast. Yeah, did you see how the uh, TSM ended that game, though? Yeah. Yeah, okay, so Flash X, there's no turrets left. It's um, just the vein crystal. Flash X catches all three of Echo Fox out and knows right where they're at. So he uses his moon cloak, and um, the Kashka and and uh, Vox just go running to the base, and Flash X just runs down to them, uh, slows them down so they can't, or, you know, <laughs> just harass them, gives up his entire life, and they're all trying to recall, and they see what's going on at the base, and they're like, oh, crap, we can't get out until we kill Flash X. Well, <laughs> by the time they finally killed him, Von C and Kashka are like, oh, hey, guys, Jeff, we, uh, we, we killed your bang crystal here, so uh, that's game. <laughs> It was like another type play where we saw last week where Von or uh, Flash was kind of in a fight and he was just waiting and finally he just said Von C go get Crystal and Von just leaves and goes takes Crystal and you know Cloud Nine didn't have a chance to stop him so I think it's all about timing and Flash does a great job of having that map awareness awareness he's like hey I'm gonna go down here and mess with them while you guys just go you have so much damage you'll take out the the Vein Crystal in a matter of seconds yeah that was oh my gosh crazy game one all right so moving on to game two though. Uh, let's see. Do you want to do the draft for game two? Yeah, so Team Solo Mid's on side A with Echo Fox on side B. Uh, we see Team Solo Mid ban away that uh, Fox right away, you know, kind of hoping to get that Kashka on Von C, I believe, but Echo Fox did not want to deal with that again. They go ahead and ban away that Kashka right away. Then we see Team Solo Mid, you know, the two healers are going to come through. They pick up Adagio. Echo Fox picks up Lyra. Uh, Team Solomon goes ahead and bans away that Kestrel, while Echo Fox bans away a Fortress. So, uh, you know, they're trying to see, you know, that Adagio not be in the lane, but, you know, with the heroes they have right now, it's kind of hard to get Adagio in the lane when there's so many heroes, or in the wrong position, when there's so many heroes that can play a captain. We see Team Solomon once again, Flash picks up his Flicker, so he just, Flicker's super strong right now in Flash's opinion. He's one of the top captains, so... It's kind of exciting to see, you know, these meta keep not necessarily changing, but just the heroes that aren't being played be brought out and shown how strong they are. Then we get to see uh, Von C. He actually gets on that glaive, which he played a weapon-powered glaive last week, and that was just as strong as his Kashka is. To round up the draft for Echo Fox, I was kind of surprised with this one. Uh, they start out with the Lyra, and they go ahead and pick up that Lance and a Jewel. So... Um, I was trying to figure out who was going to be lane if, like, there was going to be a jungle lance with Jewel in lane with the Lyra being captain. I didn't really want to see Mishy being a lane Lyra. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's really hard to do. Um, I know TSM had done that before, and I think they were trying to repeat that, but that Lyra in the lane, is it's it's already really hard to last hit minions and get that, that CS and get farmed up. But I think, yeah, I, I don't like that pick at all. Yeah, I was watching uh, Best Chuck in a stream earlier this week, and they someone had brought up Lyra, and he's like, I mean, yeah, she's good, but she's not as easy as a flex pick as Adagio. She's much harder to play in the lane, and it has to be, like, 
she has to be paired up with the right comp, the comp to get her to work. So I think like just picking Elyra and Elaine is more aggressive unless you've practiced it a lot. So maybe Echo Fox has you know practiced it a lot. I know Fuji tweeted after the matches. Um, we got the comps we wanted slash prep for, but weren't able to execute. GG's TSM today, strong, certainly strong as a trio. So, I mean, Fuji, Fuji was still happy with their drafts. He said they drafted well. That's what they wanted to do. But, you know, some people just, you know, I think Fuji just says they failed to perform. They failed to impress, and they failed to convince is exactly what Fuji tweeted. So, I think, I don't know if he's frustrated, if he just knows they need to practice more, and there's still a lot out of those players he expects. But, I mean, overall, that, that second game wasn't much more to talk about. Yeah, I mean, it was like, like what you had mentioned that with, with TSM, when, he, when Flash X got that flicker again, I thought there was an interesting point in the game when um, Cole, he focused all early on, he focused on getting, you know, flares and scout traps to try to make sure that, uh, that Lyra wouldn't get ganked in the lane. Well, the very first team fight, Flicker, F- Flash X, had already picked up a fountain, and Cole did not have a fountain yet. And Echo Fox focused all of their, you know, they focused on Flicker, which I thought was really interesting. And they, they bursted him down. They got him right down to the end. Well, then he fountain. And uh, Team Solo Mid just turned the entire fight around and reversed it on Echo Fox. I'm like, why, why is Echo Fox trying to dive in without a fountain and seeing that Flash X had a fountain? I, I don't know. I just I questioned that a little bit. I thought that didn't make sense to me. Yeah, I mean, it could have been that Flash just picked up the fountain. And sometimes, you know, maybe they hadn't checked or I'm sure they did know he had a fountain. But, I mean, I think me and you both know as soon as someone gets impaled, you just have that urge to jump on them. So I know, yeah. you know, Cole, he impaled Flickery, impaled Flash. And they're just like, oh, let's jump on Flash, which, you know, as soon as he – his two carries, you know, had full health. He fountain to keep himself alive. It was kind of a selfish fountain, but, you know, TSM just turned it around anyways and ended up winning it just because of, you know, he tried to itemize against Flicker ended up backfiring because he didn't get fountain as early as he should have. Yeah. So I, I was interested. I mean, plus you have that heal coming from Adagio, so it's just like, I don't know. I would just like to see them try to get rid of that Adagio or that Glaive. I mean, focus on them more, but. So let's go ahead and switch over to day two and take a look at the day two semifinals. It was a crazy day two with a lot of, uh, you know, changes and the scene kind of changed up from what it's been the last couple of weeks. Um, for EU right away, we see Rising Lotus versus Cyclone. I was kind of expecting Cyclone, you know, just to take that game pretty handedly, but Rising Lotus came out and uh, performed pretty well. They actually just got acquired. Yeah, they actually got acquired by uh, Carbon 6, which I don't know much about them, but they announced that they had been acquired by them. So I think they're a newer esports organization. They don't, I, don't, I was looking at their Twitter, and I don't, they have one other team right now, but I think they're trying to grow, and I think they made a smart move getting into Vainglory as a new organization. It's a good game to start out with. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, Rising Lotus takes that game 2-0 two, or two to zero against Cyclone, and, you know, we get a new team in the championship again for EU. Um the next game was G2 versus SK. I know we were looking forward to that game. We saw some interesting picks uh, coming out from both sides. Um, in that game one, G2 had uh, picked up a crawl on Dark Potato, Hundo on that Adagio, and actually a Finn. And then Cavalfar was on the Sky, which is the weird pick because we haven't really seen many Crystal Skies. And he actually went Crystal Sky in the lane and uh it worked pretty well for him uh yeah i thought he did a really good job with that actually i was impressed with that yeah i mean not something that we've really seen that much but you know crystal sky can kind of be a nuisance and 
bounce around, and once she gets that broken mist stacks up, it can be kind of deadly eating like forward barrages and whatnot. Um, that game two, then we saw SK pick up another kind of interesting comp with Tyrus on a jungle adagio. Cavalfar in the lane on that Rona, and then Jetpacks actually went on that crawl, and he went as a roam crawl, which, um, still, you know, crawl can put out a lot of damage with not a lot of offensive items, so it's kind of an interesting pick for them, and it, it worked out, and they forced that game three, and uh, SK ended up losing game three, and G2 uh, once again was moving on to the finals, so saw Rise of Lones versus G2 in the finals, uh, I was interested to see if we were going to have a third different champion for the three weeks in a row. Uh, and I don't know if EU is they're all that good or if all of EU is kind of just struggling. And, <laughs> and anyone can beat anyone right now because we saw Rising Lotus play good and beat a good organization come out of Cyclone. But uh, G2 kind of dominated that final game, and uh, they took it against Rising Lotus 0-2. Yeah, I mean, no matter what it is, if it, if they're all really good, if they're all really bad, it, I think it makes for more exciting play. I mean, it's not like NA. I'm not saying that NA is not exciting, but there's a lot more separation. I mean, we'll talk about it later, but like TSM, they've already clinched for uh, their spot in the Unified. So it's just like there's some teams that are way ahead in NA, but in EU, it's still wide open. I mean, every game is still very important for these teams. So Yeah, exactly. Uh, do you want to give the point breakdown for EU after this weekend three? Yeah, so for the point breakdown for Europe, it looks like this. Right now we got G2 at the top with 17 points. We got Cyclone with 15. We got SK with 12. Team Secret with 8. Fnatic with 7. And then your bottom three right now are Rising Lotus or Carbon 6 at 7. Denial Esports at 3. And Mao Sports still sitting there at 0. So... Yeah, it'll be interesting to see during our midweek episode who's playing who that week and to see if Rising Lotus and Fnatic, uh, if they're going to be matched up or if one of them are going to be able to play one of the weaker teams to get more points and maybe Rising Lotus or Carbon 6 bump Fnatic down to the bottom three. Uh, Yeah, EU's still definitely a big question mark about who's going to be in the top five. I know G2 is three points away from clinching their spot in the Unified, so uh, EU will be an interesting final week last next weekend. So let's go ahead and move over to NA then and start breaking down these matches in a little more depth and looking at the drafts. Uh, we had a, you know, pretty, it was kind of like EU. A lot of things changed and there were some new teams in the finals. So it was kind of exciting to see NA kind of also getting shaken up a little bit and not seeing the same teams in the finals over and over. Yeah, so I mean, for the first game for the NAs, we had uh, Gangstars versus Cloud9. And uh, I'll just go ahead and dive into the draft here, but. C9, so their first ban was Kashka, and Gangstars countered that with the Lyra, which allowed Cloud9 to pick up uh, Adagio. And then uh, Gangstars went ahead and picked up their a, a Fortress, and then the next two bans were kind of some bruisers. Uh, it was Glaive and Lance that, that were banned out. And then Cloud9 ended up picking up Vox and Petal, which I thought was a really strong pickup. And then Gangstars uh, finished theirs out with uh, looks like Ringo and Taka were the last two pickups. I was kind of surprised Gangstars with, went with that Taka after they saw Cloud9 pick up a pedal. Uh, pedal does a pretty good job of countering Taka, and I just thought they were maybe getting other smarter picks against this squad, maybe like an Alpha. But, yeah, I mean, Cloud9 kind of played really well that game, and uh, Gangstars just seemed to struggle against that comp, and... Uh, 
I know we saw Iraqi kind of just he went with a kind of a different build and it was a you know exactly 15 minute game cloud nine won within 15 minutes but uh old school with that double tyrants and breaking point on that box and he went five and one and uh we saw Gabe Vizzle pick up a slumbering husk I don't know if you noticed this but I was kind of surprised I don't know what his advantage was I don't think his heal on Adagio scales with health it may. I know Lyra's healing does scale with health. I thought Adagio's scale with Crystal more. And Gabe also had an alternating current. So I'm not sure what <laughs> captain position he was actually going for. But, I mean, he went 4-1 and one and it worked out. I just think they had a strong comp altogether. Zeno went 1-4 with uh, Iraqi going 3-2. and two. So I think Zeno just kind of struggled in that taco, which I'm not surprised at going up against I Love Joseph on that pedal. Yeah, I mean, Iraqi, he he did end up going three and two, and he I, I think he did well that game. But I just question he picked up a tornado trigger. I just don't understand that compared to a, a breaking point. When I mean, if okay, if you're gonna get that tornado trigger, you gotta burst down someone from the other team to make it a two v three. That's the whole point of that because the longer that fight lasts, obviously everyone knows your breaking points tax does a lot more damage, and it just it seems so meta right now to pick up that breaking point compared to that tornado trigger and i iraqi and maybe a couple other people do it every once in a while but i just i don't understand that i think with the comp like having xeno on that taka with that burst on that shatter glass i think their whole point was to not have the team fights last very long and i think he just kind of itemized and got more of that crit coming out um it looks like tyrant's monocle wasn't picked up until a little later so i think at that point he may have known that fights weren't lasting long enough for him to really take advantage of a breaking point so he just went with that more crit and more attack speed and maybe try to out damage uh old school on that box but i just don't think it worked out for him yeah i mean and then to talk about wrecked like i noticed two times in two two separate team fights there was points where whether it was iraqi or xeno they were getting completely depleted and i was like oh well they're out of the fight and then all of a sudden you know wrecked would come up with this great fountain and save them and i was just like man wrecked had some really good plays that first game trying to keep his team in it and fighting. I mean, obviously it didn't work out in the end, but I thought he played really well. Yeah. I mean, uh, game two, I was kind of hoping to see something, uh, like a better draft coming out of gang stars, which I was kind of surprised with the draft. Uh, you know, the both healers get by first round. So dot is picked up by gang stars and cloud nine picks up that Lyra. Uh, we see flicker and crawl band away in the second round. And then Gangstar go ahead and picks up this Ozo, which I was kind of surprised. I haven't seen Iraqi yet on this, or not Iraqi, but I haven't seen Zeno yet on this Ozo. So I was pretty, you know, pretty hyped to see Iraqi or Zeno. I was like, yes, Zeno on a new hero. Let's see if he can play this one as well as he has in the past. Uh, and then Iraqi goes and gets his Ringo. Um, Cloud9 goes and follows up and gets Fox and then Fortress. So Fortress is still coming through, and it looks like Fortress is going to be in the jungle for that game. And uh Zeno, he picked up a storm crowd on that ozo not normally something that uh ozos really pick up it's not like that glaive or fortress where they pick up that storm crown but it just really helps with that you know clearing out that jungle and you know that can really give you advantage if your rotation's faster if you can get up to the lane faster but i mean man Zeno jumping around on that ozo throughout the early games of that match was pretty crazy yeah i mean i was excited to see him pick up that ozo um i knew it was either going to be really good or really bad, obviously. But, I mean, because we've seen Zeno play, like, his Kashka and his, his Blackfeather are both really good um, players for him to play. But with this Ozo, and like you said, he picked up that Storm Crown. I, I don't – it just seemed like he didn't do a whole lot in the beginning of the game compared to once he got that Aftershock and started to get, you know, some more damage. Then he was lasting longer and doing more damage to Cloud9. 
Yeah, I mean, once Zeno got to actually, if Zeno actually got to get his three bounces off and land on um, old school for his final bounce and get that burst damage out, he did a good amount of damage. But, I mean, as you're bouncing around, you're kind of vulnerable and you can take a lot of damage. I think that's kind of what ended up happening late game. It definitely was like a back and forth game between the two teams. And I think Cloud9's comp just kind of scaled better, better towards the end. And old school really just scaled up and had another powerful game on that box. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting that Iraqi, he actually did pick up breaking point this game, which was, in my opinion, better, and I think he did better with it. But All right, so let's go ahead and move over to the next uh, matchup. Uh, we got Hammers versus Team Silamid. Uh, going into this, these matchups, I thought Team Silamid was definitely going to continue to look as strong as they have in the past and kind of be that dominant team. But uh, for Hammers on the A side, they go ahead and ban away that Kashka right away, You know, take that Kashka away from Von C., um, team still in mid, we see them ban uh, Lance out again right away. So, you know, once again, we got these healers coming through. Hammers get the Adagio, and Team still in mid are going to pick up that uh, Lyra. Uh, then we see the second round of bans. We see um, Petal banned out, and then we see Flicker actually banned out on Team still in mid side. So, um, I think once uh, Team still in mid gets that Lyra, they don't really want to put her in the lane. So, they know they're going to have Flash on that Lyra, which are. I mean, Flash hasn't didn't play as well on the Lyra as I thought he plays, like when he plays heroes such as Flicker or that Captain Glaive. But um, Hammers go ahead and pick up that Ringo then and get starting all over on his Ringo, which he's done absolutely amazing with. And then we see that Fortress come out. So yeah, then when Team Solomid picks up that uh, Glaive, Vonsi's get on top of that Glaive again. He's another hero that's really strong for him. And then we see Best Chuck actually picking up that Gwen, which Best Chuck used to play a lot of Gwen back during Worlds and back when Gwen was pretty meta. Yeah, I mean, when are teams going to learn to not let starting all over get Ringo? I saw a tweet after the, all the games and stuff tonight. He was talking about um, people calling him a one-trick Ringo, and he makes a good point. He's like, yeah, Ringo's my best player, and no one ever bans him. Why would I not pick him up? You know, I mean, he's like, I can play other people, sure, but if you're going to leave Ringo open every time, I'm going to take him because I'm good with him. I mean, it's just like people saying Von C's only go to Kashka. Like, if you're going to not ban Kashka away from Von C, yeah, they're going to pick him. Like, I mean, it just makes sense. I don't think – I mean, he plays a lot better, and he looks a lot more comfortable when he's on that Ringo. His positioning is normally spot on. But, I mean, when he played Adagio uh, last week or maybe I – don't, I don't know exactly when it was, but, I mean, he had pretty good positioning as Adagio too. I don't know if his box is as strong as his Adagio or Ringo, but – I mean, I guess if teams think they can, you know, defend his Ringo, then they're not going to ban it. But I think in these two matchups versus Team Silhouette, I think they kind of proved that teams may have to take a step back and ban away that Ringo from him. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty crazy. Did you see that Best Chuck uh, actually picked up a tension bow in that game? Yeah, I think with, like, the buckshot followed up by, like, just your auto attacks with that uh, Gwen early on, I think it gives you, like, a pretty like, – you know, good advantage with the power spike and it kind of did work best uh best chuck had a lot of you know early damage and they kind of took advantage of it uh von c was kind of doing some crazy turret diving and getting some knockbacks into the turret and they uh for the most part it worked but i think we saw pretty or later on in the game that tension boat is kind of falling off and it may not have worked out like they wanted i think if you use a tension boat you need a snowball and i just don't think they got that effect yeah i agree that was it was nice in the beginning, but like you said, it pretty much falls off, and it's not good in, at that to mid to late game. So um, I thought, going back to starting all over, it was funny in my notes, I have to say this, I wrote down that like 
early on he had some bad positioning, maybe a little bit of like cocky positioning because he was getting really close. And then I wrote down, nope, he just starts destroying because his positioning was so on point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, once uh, Lyra put out her um, ultimate, uh, at one point I saw the ultimate come out and Ly- or Flash went in, but T-Tigers just uh, jumped through the portal himself and like got in that back line, got on top of Best Chuck while starting, was able to just stack up on uh, Lyra on that Flash and just kind of really dominated on that positioning wise. So, I mean, the portal doesn't always work in the advantage of whoever's playing the Lyra. I think the portal definitely is like hit or miss on when you use it. If you're using it to engage or to not engage, I think with the, with the glaive, it was difficult for flash to engage because then that kind of forced, um, Fonsi to sit back and try to have to peel for best Chuck. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, hammers ended up actually taking that game one, so moving on to game two, TSM was on side A and Hammers was on side B. So starting out in the draft, TSM bans away the Lance and Hammers bans away that Kashka. They did not want Von C to have that Kashka. So that allows TSM to pick up an Adagio, which then allows Hammers. See, I thought this was interesting. They pick up the Ringo right away instead of that Lyra because obviously if they're not going to ban away that starting all over. He's going to get that Ringo, and he's going to dominate with it. I think they prioritize that pick. So then the bands come through, the, the second-round bands with Fortress and Flicker. Um, I think it was pretty obvious that Hammers wanted to ban out that Flicker. They don't want Flash X on that Flicker. So the last two pickups for TSM were Glaive and actually a Grumpjaw, which I was really surprised to see where this was going to be played at. It ended up being Flash X on a Rome Grumpjaw, but... Uh, and then the final two pickups for Hammers was Lyra and Petal. Yeah, I mean, I was, I know Flash, I've seen him play the Grump Jaw, and it's kind of fun to see him pull it back out and, you know, try it. Uh, not saying TSM's not taking these matches seriously, but they definitely are in a good spot to try a different comp and see if it works for them, because I'm sure they practice it a lot and they kind of want to put it in a more serious situation. But, I mean, honestly, the game was a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. I didn't think Grump Jaw was going to work. But the game was uh, pretty much back and forth throughout all of it. And the, each team fight, you know, it happened to go good for Hammers, one team fight. And then Team Solo Mid had a good team fight. So it was definitely a great matchup overall. But when we saw the back and forth between Team Solo Mid and Hammers, I, um, Team Solo Mid actually aced Hammers and they had a march all the way down their lane. I think it was maybe just Flash wanting to end the game so bad. And they marched all the way down there. They killed the two turrets, started to try to kill the Van Crystal. But all of Hammers responded, or respond, and they came out and aced Team Solo mid, and there was literally like one tick left on the Van Crystal. Flash was the last one left on that Grump Jaw and just couldn't get it. And uh, Hammers was able to just march all the way down the lane again and go uh, take out the Van Crystal for Team Solo mid. So I honestly think that if Team Solo mid would have won that game and they got a game three, I think Team Solo mid would have taken the draft a lot more serious, maybe picked more comfortable picks. And uh, I think Team Solomon probably would have won that game three, but that's not how it happened. And we see uh, Hammers moving on to the finals this week. That was an insane finish. I, I mean, those respawns came through just at the right time. Obviously, with that one take left on on the crystal, I was like, oh, oh, oh my gosh, they didn't get it. And I knew once once they got that ace, they were just going to be able to run down and take out 
the other vein crystal before they could respawn again. So that I was, was crazy. I was looking when Flash was attacking it. I was trying to find if there was any minions around to help. But when he died, there was there was no minions or Flash. They had no minions down there to help. Because sometimes you get like one minion left that's yeah. slowly taking it down. But yeah, the Hammers go ahead and win that game and they move on to the finals against Cloud9. So we kind of get to see... Uh, the old matchup with Cloud9 versus uh, Hammers that we saw early on in the preseason, the Viz Pros. And uh, going into it, I think Hammers just looked way too strong. I kind of thought they were going to win from the very beginning just because starting all over is playing really well right now. And I just didn't think Cloud9 was going to be able to stop Hammers. So, yeah, game one, we actually see kind of an interesting matchup on the drafts. Cloud9 and Hammers. Cloud9 go ahead and ban away Kashka. Hammers ban, ban away that Adagio. Then Cloud9 picks up that Lyra, so that gives that Ringo once again open for Hammers. So starting all over, picks up Ringo. Uh, second round ban- uh, bans, we get Fortress and a Box banned out, trying to get uh, Cloud9 away off of those two strong uh, laners, which I think kind of actually worked in the, a disadvantage for Hammers because uh, later on in the draft that allowed uh, Old School to pick up uh, Blackfeather, which... I think that was a great counter to starting all overs. Ringo, Blackfeather can rose offensive on top of Ringo and, uh, you know, just Atlas him and really kind of disrupt starting all over from sitting back and causing a lot of damage. Then we saw I Love Joseph pick up that pedal, and I we saw him play it earlier, and I think that's another one of his heroes that he's starting to become, you know, pretty decent at. Um, for the last two pickups for Hammers, we see them pick up that Glaive, which ends up being in that captain position. And then we see a Celeste, which we know starting all over in his bio. I'm pretty sure it says best Celeste in the world. So I was like, ooh, maybe he's going to be even more cocky and play Celeste in the lane and put that Ringo in a jungle <laughs> on T-Tigers. But nope, T-Tigers, he goes ahead and puts that jungle Celeste. So, you know, they had a lot of range, a lot of poke coming out of this comp. And I was kind of excited to see if this Black Feather was going to be just the perfect counter for that Ringo, which I think it proved to be pretty much the yeah, best I mean- counter. Yeah, I mean, so T-Tigers, and with being on that Celeste, he did really, really good on that Celeste. I know early on he didn't have any defense at all, and I thought that was um, – it was kind of ballsy, I mean, in my opinion, that he had that no defense. He didn't have – he started picking up defense at, like, 10-minute mark, but um, he did so much damage. I know, like, there was two separate times on, on team fights. He, with his Solar Storm, he was hitting all three players uh, on the C9 team. And it it was doing some serious damage. So, yeah, I think um, having that too, kind of the, like Celeste sits back and deals damage. Ringo kind of sits back and deals damage, while Glaive can afterburner and in and kind of disrupt. Um, I think Blackfeather was forced to choose: does he want to go on top of starting all over, or T Tigers with that pedal kind of just sitting back and not being able to jump in and trying to stay away from that Celeste as much as possible. But, yeah, I mean, that game one, we saw uh, Cloud9 perform really well, and I think that Blackfeather was the perfect counter for starting all over his Ringo, and they pick up that first game. Yep, I completely agree. So diving into game two here, um, we had Hammers on the A side, Cloud9 on the B side. Um, Hammers starts out right away. They ban out Vox, which Cloud9 comes back and bans out that Kashka. Uh, and then Hammers, that allows both the healers to be picked up. So Hammers gets Adagio and Cloud9 gets Lyra. And then Hammers bans out that pedal. They don't want to see I Love Joseph on that pedal. And Cloud9 bans out that fortress. 
So the last two pickups coming through were Arden and Glaive for Hammers, which was a very interesting comp, I thought. And then Cloud9 came through and got Ringo and Kroll. So. Yeah, I was excited to see Arda being picked out because Arden's not a bad captain. You know, he has a lot of support and a lot of appeal for his team with his vanguard, and his gauntlets can do a lot of disruption if you lay it down in the right spot, trying to lock down that cruel outside of the fight. Um, but, you know, that allowed that Adagio to be played in the lane and not, you know, forcing that Adagio to be in the captain's position. I think that was very crucial for Hammers in this game, too. You know what I wanted to see? I wanted to see a Weapon Power Arden and a Captain Glaive. Yeah, I think Weapon Power Arden, his crit on his, uh, when he punches on his B is is absolutely ridiculous. And even if you do a Weapon Power Arden with like a Storm Crowd, uh, I mean, I know we, it's just, he can take take objectives so fast and that still, yeah. it still gives you that CC. It's kind of like what Dark Potato does in the EU side. You know, he plays a lot of Weapon Power, like Tension Bow and Aftershock, like um, Lance. And I think it's not, super powerful when it comes to damage wise but it's like an extra crowd control he can still use his uh impales and use his gifting walls to keep people away so i i think you know there's a lot of heroes right now that we see that could be played in multiple positions uh that adagio and glaive those both could be played in the room or as a carry jungle position so yeah that would definitely have been interesting to see i don't think hammers was in the mood for messing around though they wanted to take this yeah they wanted to take this series and get on top this week yeah, I mean, so diving into the game, Hammers, like you were saying, they went, didn't want to mess around. Man, they took first blood in 30 seconds. They were a lot of early game aggression with that Arden and that Glaive getting over in the other lane. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of interested to see how Isle of Joseph was going to be on that crawl. Um, I know he is pretty strong with no matter who he plays on, but against someone like an Adagio, it's kind of hard to stick on Adagio. He can just, you know throw out his gift of fire and slowly just walk away from that crawl and not let him stick on top of him. But uh, I was kind of interested also to see how old school is going to do on the Ringo and see if old school can be like, Hey, uh, you're not the only one who's good at Ringo. I know a lot of people criticize people who are good at Ringo because they say that Ringo is a very low skill hero. He doesn't really do anything besides auto attack. So it doesn't take you know much skill to be good with him which I think is true to a sense, but you have to be good at the game in the sense of positioning and how you, you know, where you team fight and all of that. Yeah, I mean, once again, talk about the whole old school. He, he went with the tornado trigger instead of breaking point again. And, I mean, all I'm saying is Hammers won this game, so what's that say? I mean, I'm sure there's, there's certain cases where this tornado trigger definitely works out compared to that breaking point. I think when they... Uh, are the teams ahead and the team fights are happening quick for them. I think it's good having that tornado trigger. It helps with the crit and it just really gets out a lot more like power spike early on. Yeah, I mean you make a good point with that with that cruel. I mean trying to with him getting his weakness weakness stacks up and trying to smite and having that tornado trigger on that old school on that Ringo. It, yeah, I mean I can understand where that's coming from. I just I don't know, I guess I have something against tornado trigger. I don't know what, but I feel like it's fun seeing Breaking Point come out because when they do get those max sacks, it's kind of ridiculous the amount of damage that can come out. But, I mean, with some of these comps they play, they play a lot of squishy, which, I mean, when you look at Hammer's draft, you know, they got Glaive, Arden, and Adagio. That's not really a squishy comp. So I think maybe yeah. a Breaking Point would be interesting here just because to see that full potential of Breaking Point coming out, which 
I know there's some changes coming in the next patch with Branky Point, along with Tyrant's Monocle and Bone Saw. So it's going to be, which we can, we'll probably break that down in our next episode. But I mean, that's going to be pretty interesting to see how these builds are going to change. I don't think we'll be seeing much Breaking Point double Tyrant's Monocle coming up in the future. Yeah, it's going to be some big changes for sure. I haven't read into all of them yet, but, but I, that, I plan on doing that this week. So, Yeah, for the third match then, we could see uh, three matches coming up for this final. I was kind of excited to see it was going to go pretty much either way. Um, I was kind of hoping, you know, G- Gabe was going to get this win for his team. You know, he sent out, that, sent out a tweet earlier today, and I was kind of taken back by, you know, Gabe, yeah. Gabe Vizzle throwing shade. I didn't really expect that out of him, but he tweeted – when they beat Gangstars earlier, that he tweeted that, and we take down supposedly the second best team in NA 2-0, GG Gangstars. And I was like, holy smokes, the amount of drama that happens on Twitter between these players is ridiculous. I can barely keep up yeah, with it. They, they were talking some smack. I mean, hey, I'm just going to say, Gangstars still, even after all the championships today, are still technically the second place team. So um, I, I don't know what he was trying to say by that, but... I mean, I mean they're, they're, they're not in second, I can tell you that much. Yeah, they're not in third either, so um, <laughs> I think it's good to have, you know, confidence and, uh, you know, I don't know. I just don't think that uh, points don't necessarily matter, but points matter, and you have to get a certain <laughs> amount of points to get to the live finals anyways. But, yeah, you know, just some, some fun coming out of Gabe there, I guess. But, uh, yeah, this Game 3 didn't really turn out well for uh, Cloud9, and they lost to supposedly the third-best team in Vainglory. Um, oh. oh, shots fired. Oh. <laughs> uh, we see uh, Cloud9 go ahead and ban out Kashka right away. Um, Hammers go and ban away that Adagio. And then uh, if Hammers really want to be cocky, they should have just banned Ringo. That would have been really funny. would be like, you know what? We don't need Ringo. We'll ban him ourselves. Um, yeah, that would have been great. <laughs> but Cloud9, they go and pick up Lyra. And then Hammers come through and pick up that Fortress. Then we see second bands coming through with that uh, Glaive and Petal being banned away. And then we see Cloud9 pick up a Vox and then a Saw, which I think this is like... Second time we've seen a CP saw, and it hasn't worked yet. I don't know. I kind of want to watch their scrims or their games they play when a CP saw does work out and what must happen for a CP saw to work out. And then we see Hammers pick up Ringo and Kestrel. So, you know, Cloud9 had the chance to pick up that Ringo. You know, they just wanted to be cocky and, you know, give it to starting all over again. And we kind of see Saul starting all over just, you know, do his magic on that Ringo. CP saw. I don't. I. I can't. I don't even want to talk about it. Maybe they should have just done double weapon power. Maybe that would have worked better. I don't know. But uh, I didn't. I was not excited to see that CP saw jungle. Um, we saw it earlier in the day in the EU side, and yeah, I believe the person that played it went 0 and 5, so did not work out. And the same result in this game did not work out. T Tigers on that Kestrel. Holy cow! He did some serious damage. Yeah, I think if Saul misses suppressing fire, two tigers can unleash four quiver or four arrows from his quiver in like two seconds, and Saul's just sitting there, you know, just taking uh, arrows to his face. So I think that that pick from T Tigers, that counter pick to that Saul, was perfect. It was like a perfect executed by Hammer side. They definitely won this draft going into the game. I was kind of disappointed with Gabe Bizzle and the draft coming out of Cloud Nine. I definitely thought they maybe would have taken this game three a little more seriously. 
And I just, I know, I don't, I agree with odds still with what he had tweeted about, you know, the high risk, high reward comps. I don't think doing a comp like this in game three of the finals is a really smart idea. I mean, Hammers took a turret at five minutes. There was so much early game aggression and T, er, starting all over in T Tigers with all, and I mean, you have that fortress. That's, that's what that fortress is good for is charging in. There was so much aggression that they just, they just pushed C9 pretty much out of the game after like five minutes after that. It was a complete snowball. It was an avalanche. It wasn't even a snowball. Like snow avalanche or team snow. Oh wait, they're not around anymore. Never mind. No, not anymore. <laughs> that, that doesn't work anymore. Darn it. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> Kestrel's Saul's known for pushing turrets with a crystal Kestrel like that. You know, she can get four arrows out and she does a lot of damage to those turrets. So she can sit back far and just slowly poke down turrets. So yeah, a, a turret being taken down sub five minutes or at five minutes is not surprising there. But yeah, I mean, hammers in that third game, you know, the game, they got stronger and stronger. They lost the first game to cloud nine. Second game, they looked a little better. It was kind of a close matchup. But this last game, hammers with this Kestrel and the Ringo absolutely just rolled over cloud nine and the game ended pretty quick there. Yeah, it was. Oh man, I, I was really impressed with Hammers this week. They played really well. Yeah, Hammers. You know, they played excellent. I was surprised to see NA kind of have uh, some new teams in the final and see some new play or new team getting points. It's not necessarily the teams we want because we see the point breakout for NA kind of still be uh, pretty top heavy here. We got Team Solo Mid with twenty. They clinch their live their position in the unified. So I'm sure that's kind of relieving for them. Hopefully next week they, uh, you know, still play seriously and still show teams that they're not, you know, they're not going to be joking around. Um, we get Gangstars with 15, Hammers with 13, Cloud9 with 12, and we have Immortals with 4, Rogue with 2, Echo Fox with 0, and Misfits with 0. Yeah, I mean, so the four top teams I think is pretty much what you and I expect to be at the top in whatever order. I mean, I feel like they all can kind of switch around a little bit. And the four bottom teams, I mean, they're the the new orgs. Um, we didn't know a whole lot about them, and I think they've still got a lot to prove. So I guess Immortals isn't the new or in a new org, but, but they've been around for a while. They just were recently picked up. Yeah, I mean, we see Rising Lotus in that third uh, top three position of the bottom three with seven points. And then we see Immortals, Rogue, Echo Fox, and Misfits all combined have still have less points than a bottom three team in EU. So you see a lot more spread out points in EU. And um, I don't know, I just kind of wish that was the same on NA. I think eventually NA will get there. Uh, these bottom teams have some figuring out to do, and they have to get that synergy and get you know a lot more play time down together. But um, so yeah, so let's break down uh, our three. Uh, I guess we call them the MVPs of the week for the laner, jungle, and the captain. Um, we're going to give the laner of the week to starting all over. What do you want to say about starting all over? Why does he deserve it? I mean, his Ringo play was. I mean, not only just because he dominated with Ringo, but his just small mechanics in the game this week were a lot better than they were before. Uh, we saw him wanting to be over aggressive and wanting to be cocky and fly into the fight. But he was he stayed back, he stayed patient, and you know made the right plays. Um, I'm really excited for next week. I kind of want starting over to take the next step and teams when they ban out his Ringo to get on a new hero and prove that he's just as powerful on that. That will kind of take him up on the the next tier, in my opinion. Absolutely. So for our jungler pick of the week, we're going to go with T Tigers, and um, I think he really deserved this. He played phenomenal this week. 
Yeah, I think he uh, definitely helped starting all over with his positioning altogether. Um, when you have a jungler that you can trust and to jump in and kind of get on top of the enemy carry as much as possible, that gives starting to focus on you know getting his damage off, getting those breaking points stacked up if he was building it. And even with uh, T-Tigers on a glaive maybe, for him to appeal for starting all over. So even though T-Tigers played good in his own, I know he did struggle on that Celeste a little bit. Uh, I don't think that was necessarily his fault. I think that was just a whole drafting issue altogether. But uh, I think just him helping starting all over is what gave him the MVP for this week. Yep. And then so for our captain, uh, MVP of the week is, surprise, it's Chicken123. Every single member from the Hammers team gets the MVP. I think they deserved it. Yeah, I don't think me either of us were expecting them to be in the finals and have just as a dominating performance altogether. Um, I think them beating Team Solo Mid is what made it even better for them this week. They definitely have the harder route there. Not that saying Gangstars is an easy route for Cloud9, but um, I think Hammers was definitely, you know, proved me wrong. I'm not, I haven't had the most faith in them. I don't think they're a top team in NA, but uh, this week they definitely proved that they were. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, so uh, it'll be pretty interesting to see what happens next week for our last week in split one and see if things change in uh, North America. I know EU, a lot of things will change, and we'll see who ends up being in the bottom three for uh, both Europe and North America. How excited are you for next week? (laughs) On a scale of like 0 to 10, I'd probably say like a 12. That's it? Yep, 12 out of 10. Oh. Is that not exciting? Oh, it's not exciting enough. Uh, I was gonna go for like a twenty out of ten, but okay, whatever. Moving on. I mean, it's not. It's not. It's not worlds. Jesus. That's true. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I brought Jesus into this. (laughs) Thanks for listening to episode seven of A Time for Rolling Esports. And in our midweek episode, we will probably discuss Vanguard Eight's weekend four. And we will probably also dive into the Challenger battles and which three teams from the Challenger series are going to be able to have a chance to battle maybe the bottom three teams from each EU and NA. Uh, Also, we'll probably discuss the new Update 2.3. We'll probably only focus on the things that will affect the esports side and the competitive side, maybe which items will be changed that can uh, affect how how the players build things or which heroes may be making resurgence. But thanks again for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time. Time for rolling.